You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. What is going on, everybody? This is the Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeiser. You're here with Caleb James and myself. Uh, we just got done watching a thriller out in Los Angeles. The Kansas City Chiefs take down the Chargers with a field goal. In overtime, what a freaking game, Caleb. What is going on, man? Chiefs Kingdom, everybody, please exhale. Take a deep breath. They can't all be blowouts and they can't all be fun. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit ugly. Today was ugly, but you want to know what the key of a good team is? They have to be able to win ugly sometimes. They have to be able to win close games sometimes. And Patrick Mahomes and Harrison Butker showed today why they are the best at what they do in the National Football League. You aren't kidding. We'll start there. Let's start with Butker. There's a lot of things I want to touch on, and we'll start with Butker because, holy freaking crap, he kicks a 58-yarder earlier in the game, and and it was impressive in itself. A 50-yard field goal, you know, granted you're in a dome, that's a long field goal. But then you go out in overtime, you get iced like three different times. There's a false start on Allegretti. So you go from making a 53-yarder to getting pushed back, making a 58-yarder, but there's a timeout before to going up and making a 58-yarder again. That's got to be one of the most impressive kicks I've seen in a long time. No, absolutely. And, you know, he has the physical traits to be able to make that kick. He's a big, strong guy. At the end of the game and even the first field goal we saw him make that had nothing to do with his physical ability. That was his mental capabilities. We see it time and time again in the NFL. There's kickers with big legs, but not all of them can connect in the big moment. We've seen time and time again, since he's been a Kansas city chief, Harrison Bucker is clutch. He is absolutely maybe at this point, the best kicker in the NFL. I don't see a lot of guys going out every day, kicking 58 yards, That is a mentality. That's a mindset. He has the same mentality as a kicker that Patrick Mahomes has as a quarterback. And you love to see it because you know when the game is on the line, you're going to have a guy that could step in there, get iced three times, have an offensive lineman false start, which is completely unacceptable, especially on a PAT field goal of all things. And guess what? Three times, they were all good. That last one, it was just a formality. I mean, we all knew he was going to make that one at that point. I mean, I think even the Chargers knew it. And you saw that look of disgust on the Chargers' face. Well, they just played it like this was their Super Bowl. And they couldn't connect in the end. They just didn't have enough. And the Chiefs had too much clutch for them. They certainly did. Um, And it was, like you said, what what a – strong-minded um, person Butker is to be able to step up there and make that kick not once, not twice, but three times with the game on the line. So very gutsy performance. And that really was kind of the theme of the day, just kind of a gutsy performance. Things weren't going well the you know the whole day. They kind of sputtered and spattered, and they kind of fought their way through it. It was something that you really haven't seen from the Chiefs in the, in the past, you know, 10 weeks. They finished the regular season off last year by winning like 10 straight games by double figures. Well, 
they won every game is not going to be like that. They just won the Super Bowl. You're going to get every team's best. The Chargers are at home. They're opening up that new stadium. Um, you're going to get a fight. And and we said going into this, the Chargers defense is good, right? There, we knew that they were going to be good. We knew that they were going to give some issues. We thought that obviously at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes was going to do Patrick Mahomes things. And he did. He, he proved why they, they gave him that money. He had 60 yards passing at halftime and he ended up with like 350. I mean, we kind of were talking on our, our group chat about his performance and what the offense was doing and kind of where they should go. And I, the one thing that I just kept saying was when, when the times are down, basically you let Pat cook, you put him in shotgun and you let him make plays. You don't take the ball out of his hands. You don't run screens. You don't run draws. It doesn't matter if it's third and 20, that's because he's going to make a play for you. That's what he is. That's who he is down to his core. He's a guy that is going to win and find ways to win. You put him in, in shotgun and you just let him cook dude absolutely and i know i'm a big proponent of trying to run the ball i'm a big guy that's gonna say give clyde his touches let's establish a ground game let's go beat him up a little bit but when it got time into the fourth quarter everybody in the universe knew what was gonna happen the chargers of of all the people in the world they've seen this happen before they knew exactly what was going to happen and it didn't matter because as we saw in that fourth quarter those last few drives it just became Travis Kelsey Tyree Kill Travis Kelsey Tyree Kill Mahomes scrambling the third and 20 scramble was one of the most gutsiest plays I've seen in a while he knew they were going to blitz they've been bringing that pressure like every other third down but on third and 20 they were going to try to make him get rid of the ball quick so they couldn't hit he I think he knew that before the play started, he probably figured they're going to be a blitz or he saw some sort of a key that let him know they were going to be bringing something off the outside or something. So what did he do? He stepped up into the little gap where there no one was, and he ran for 20 yards to set up a huge play. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, and we still have to give our hats. We still have to tip our caps to the Chargers. They played a phenomenal game. Uh, Anthony Lynn and uh, Gus Bradley, they called a heck of a game for three quarters from the defense. And really, their offense looked pretty good for a lot of the game also against the Chiefs' defense. But it's like you say, in those situations, the Chiefs just came up bigger in the clutch moments. They do, and it's just it's the Pat Mahomes factor. It's the reason that you went out and you paid him a half a billion dollar contract. It's the reason that in the first round you went and you drafted the running back that he wanted, not a not a guy from the secondary, not a linebacker. You got the guy he wanted because you know when it comes down to it, if things aren't going great, and and don't get me wrong, we're we're all like I was doing the same thing when I was talking in our our group chat that like the defense, the defense, defense. Don't get it wrong. The defense held them to, to 20 points. Like that's, they played pretty well. It just felt like they didn't because they just kept the ball for so long on those drives. They missed some big situations and we'll get to some of the points that I want to get to about where I think things kind of went wrong, where they need to improve. But there's a reason that you paid Pat Mahomes all that money. It's because he's the man that you're going to trust when things aren't going well to make the plays, to win the football games. I mean, there is, there's one quarterback and there's one wide receiver in the NFL that could make the, the game-tying touchdown that they made. It's Pat Mahomes and Tyree Kill. He scrambles to his right and throws a 53-yard touchdown, which was really probably 65 yards in the air on a dead sprint. Past two defenders, Tyreek outruns two defenders, catches it, rolls, and gets up and gets in the end zone. Like There's literally two guys in the NFL that can make that play. 
and it was those two guys right there. Um, it was impressive. I, I just everything that Pat Mahomes does is impressive, and I think that sometimes we get caught up in not realizing how how good he just really is. Because you know, I think that Chiefs fans are still in the oh boy, here we go again when the Chiefs go three and out, three and out, and then the Chargers go and score, and everybody's panicking stuff. It's like don't don't forget where we were last year, right? Like Pat, don't worry, <laughs> Pat's gonna get us. He's good. He's got the got the weapons they're gonna stay calm they're gonna keep us in every game as long as pat's in the game we have we have a chance in every single game we play yeah and guys our our arrowhead live group chat was having a meltdown five minutes into the game and i'm sitting here reading it all and laughing and we have people saying they shouldn't have even got off the bus we have people saying they might as well just turn it in pack it in get them all off the field there's no reason we were only down like six or seven points. Oh, and we fell down by nine and people are still freaking out. I got on Twitter and I read a tweet from the uh, very smart individual, former chief Jeff Schwartz. And he's like, guys, the chief's offense could put up 35 and a quarter if they want to there. He's like, everything's going to be okay. And I know we had like this sense of anxiety, this sense of panic, because everyone still just wants us to be able to dominate every game in the NFL. Every game's a dogfight. I don't think people realize that because the scores of the games don't reflect that. Every game and every play is a chess match between the coaches, between the players and everything. And like I said before, the Chargers played a really good game. They took advantage of the Chiefs' the Chiefs' weaknesses. You know, we don't have the best linebackers. Teams are going to take advantage of that, try to run on us, throw little passes in the flats. The tackling on defense was bad. But like you said, the defense still play good. Tyron Matthew played a very underrated football game. He had about three key pass breakups that probably saved points on three different drives in very big situations. And you know what? The defensive line played good. And Legereus Sneed, once again, got another interception on a blown play from Justin Herbert, who I think we were all figuring since he's a rookie, he's got to be due to make some sort of mistake at one point. And he did. He threw that pass to Sneed. But I think one of the reasons the Chiefs' defense might have struggled early on or appeared to struggle or the things were irritating people, I think those guys were preparing for Tyrod Taylor. And I think it was a complete shock when Justin Herbert came out because they kind of were running different plays than they probably showed a week ago. That's something we're going to have to go back and take a look on on the tape later on. But like you said, when the Chiefs defense was in the goal line, they had big stops. Derek Nottie probably played his best football game in the NFL today. He's not going to get any recognition for it either. But the defensive line did a good job at making stops when they needed to. And like you said, it's only a matter of time on offense because, you know, you can shut them down for one quarter. You can shut them down for two quarters. Heck, they shut them down for almost three quarters. But it's that last five minutes when you really get to see someone's character, what they're really made of. We saw that from Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs today. We certainly did, and we're going to continue to see that, I'm sure. Um, If we keep going with kind of the defensive stuff, and you've already kind of touched on it a little bit, some of the good things that I I kind of stood out to me was, like you mentioned, was Legereus Sneed. Um, Another interception, you know, kind of right – spot type thing we saw Herbert rolling to his left trying to make a play back to the middle 
you know, just a bad rookie mistake. Um, you know, I actually was impressed with her, but I thought he played well. He missed a few throws, but he's a rookie. He's going to do that, but he stood in there and he made some big throws as well. So, um, but I thought Snead again had a pretty decent game. I, I tell you, one of the people that is just standing out to me huge and actually really two, I'll put them in together is Mike Dana. And um, I'm always going to get his name wrong. 98 Wharton, his first name. Tell me his first name again. Uh, his name is Tershawn, but he goes by Turk. And him and Dana each played a phenomenal game today for guys that were on not a lot of people's radar. I think if y'all have been listening to this podcast or following our film reviews, you've probably had an idea these guys are going to be studs at some point. But I really think those guys stepped up. But yeah, Turk Wharton played phenomenal. Yeah, Turk, Turk, and I like that a lot better. That's a lot easier for me. Turk and uh, and Dana, man, I think they they really stood out to me as guys along the front that you know Frank Clark missed probably from what the second quarter on with an illness. Um, you know, we already had Mike Pennell out with suspension, Colin Saunders out with a dislocated elbow, and these guys are rookies. They're late round picks, a fifth in an undrafted rookies, and they're in there. And they're learning by fire, and they're playing well. I really think that they're showing out. Mike Dana did a couple nice plays, keeping the edge, getting pressure, had a sack, had a huge sack on um, Herbert there late in the game where they had a huge loss on that. I thought actually Taco Charlton played pretty well along the front for being active for the first time this season. He's a guy that maybe they can lean on for for a little bit of pressure later on. Um, but th- those guys really stood out as as – kind of the highlight on the defensive side of the ball for me. Yeah, I agree absolutely 100%. You know, hey, Chris Jones, he didn't have a great day rushing the passer. He got called for that uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that would have got us off the field. You know, it is what it is. He was close. He went in for the only angle on a tackle he could make. Very iffy flag. He had a couple of really nice run stops, though, just whooping the guards as a three technique on the backside and going in there and blowing up the run making those good plays. What I like when I see from Dana, and like we saw from him, we watched his tape from Michigan and Central Michigan. That guy has a high football IQ. When he got that sack, he knew it was going to be a pass. He diagnosed it quickly. That's why he kept running so hard up the field towards Herbert and didn't really give him time to get in. It's because he knew he was going to have to rush the passer. He knew he was going to be a pass play. He read it quickly. That was a phenomenal play. I thought he did a good job of setting the edge. And Tershawn Wharton is a load in the middle. He had some late stops in the middle of the defense. He was lined up at a one technique at times and was getting pressure in there on double teams. And he's not the biggest guy ever either. They have He's probably about 6'3", 285 in there getting double teamed, but he's so strong and so athletic. He was able to shuck his way off of those and get penetration. And really, when he went in the game, that kind of seemed like those were some turning point plays, really, because the Chargers were kind of running the ball at will on us because the linebackers' play was very average today. Um, Hitchens and Wilson and Neiman, they did not play good games at all. And we saw a couple of injuries from that unit today also. But really give credit to the defensive line because it's hard to play defensive line in the NFL and be able to really control a run game most of the time because of there's five offensive linemen and four defensive linemen. Give those guys a lot of credit for stop being able to stop the run late in the game. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the one thing that I want to kind of jump back to is that you mentioned is the Chris Jones making that big tackle for loss in the run game where, you know, he was in the backfield numerous times. He had the one where he was kind of unblocked and missed Eckler. Eckler spun out, had a big game, but then he was in the backfield creating havoc quite a bit. And I actually had a long conversation on Twitter the other day with Matt Lane from another Arrowhead uh, Chiefs type site. And his thing was that he doesn't think that Jones is really, he says he's a below average run defender, basically that he makes some splash plays, but then for the most part, he's below average. And I, th- I think my argument was to hit to him was, yeah, but how much more valuable are those tackles for loss compared to yeah, maybe he gives up his gap one play and they get five or six yards to me, the impact on the game is so much more felt on those tackle for losses than it is on those five or six yard gains. Now, yeah, if the team's going to string it together and, and march down the field, sure, it doesn't feel great, but that's still an inefficient way to run your offense. Every statistical thing po- points to that, especially when you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. It doesn't matter if you're going to run the ball and grind the clock out and go score because the Chiefs can score in 45 seconds. It's just an inefficient way to run your offense, and you saw that. The Chargers were driving. Chris Jones beats his guy, makes a tackle for loss, now it's second and long, and they end up not getting anywhere on offense. It completely stalls out their drive. So to me, his ability to make those splash plays, to get into the backfield, to get those tackles for losses when it's first and 10, and if a team tries to run the ball first and 10, they're relying on that run, and they get stopped for a three- or four-yard loss, and now it's second or third and 14, and they're, they're not comfortable in that situation like a Chargers team who has a rookie quarterback in their first-ever start against the defending Super Bowl champions. That's a massive game-changing play to me. Yeah, and I was actually earlier, uh, it was about during the free agency period was when I saw also Matt Lane from Arrowhead Pride. He was basically saying Chris Jones might not be worth the money we're going to be paying him. Yeah, it's really easy to say that in retrospect when you're just sitting there pulling up bad clips of him versus the run but you guys want to say all he does is make splash plays. What's a splash play? I don't understand what a splash play is. I understand in the game of football what making a play and beating your man and making an impact for your team is. Guess what? He's a defensive lineman. If they have four tackles, that's a successful that's a successful game by any point. And we saw Chris Jones time again today beat his man and make a big impact on the game. You guys don't think the Chargers were game planning to stop Chris Jones? I guarantee you, when we go back and watch tape, he was probably getting doubled and tripled on most of those pass rush reps. And I guarantee you, they weren't running his way for a reason. He's an absolutely elite defensive tackle in the NFL. And you know what? Hey, he's known as a pass rusher. Didn't have a ton of pass rush reps today. Didn't have a ton of great reps in that area. Guess what? When I go check this film here in a few days, and when I go check it all and we take a look at it, I guarantee you we're going to see why he got paid the money he did this offseason and why he made his name for the Chiefs. I don't know what a splash play is. I like it when football players tend to beat their man and make a play in the backfield. That's the kind of stuff I like to see. I don't know. Steve Spagnuolo and Andy Reid must be on the same wave I'm on with that, though. 
Yeah, and hopefully we're going to be able to watch that film, that All-22 on Tuesday, NFL. If you're listening to this by any chance, get the All-22 out on Tuesday like you say you will. Please, none of this Thursday, Wednesday, late Wednesday baloney that we've been dealing with like we did last week. Um, but moving on, so let's talk a little bit. We'll switch gears here, and we'll talk a little bit about the offensive side of the ball. And the place I first want to start is just an injury update, and that's Sammy Watkins. Um, Matt Derrick just tweeted out that Andy Reid was pretty fired up and had some strong words about how um, hits to the head are supposed to be out of the game, and that was a very, very clear helmet-to-helmet. He should have been flagged on that, and now Sammy, I'm assuming, is going to be in concussion protocol and see where he is, but he took a very violent hit. Um, So hopefully he's getting healthy and he's all right. Um, Very, very tough to see because it was – it was a bad one for sure, but on the offensive side of the ball, the the offense was really struggling, and we're going to start with the bad, some of the bad things that I noticed that I want to talk about first, and the first thing is, is the pass rush of the Chargers able to get to Mahomes, especially in the first half, and especially the offensive tackles, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. They both have given up some pressures and some sacks now in the first two games. And I think it's because we we should, and we do hold them in such high regard um, that we're not used to seeing this. And they've obviously seen some great pass rushers, right? Bosa, Ingram are great pass rushers. There's no doubt about it. But we're just not used to seeing Schwartz getting beat like that. And that that was a little bit worrisome. um, But that's kind of one of the first things that stuck out to me was kind of the the offensive line definitely wasn't as dominant as they were against the Texans, but there was obviously an upgrade in competition against the that front of the Chargers. No, and I agree 100%. I mean, I'm an offensive line guy by trade. It's all I've known. It's all I've trained, and I really think I've developed a knowledge of that position better than a lot of others. And really just watching that play a lot of the times today, it just seemed to me like, they weren't quite physical enough or they weren't quite playing the reps long enough. There were a couple of times when I think both Schwartz and Fisher, they started their reps out good, but they're giving up too much ground. They're letting the pocket collapse too quickly. And that's really makes it hard on the quarterback to be able to sit in there and step up. Uh, Cause the chargers also have another good pass rusher in their interior defensive line, Jeremy Tillery. He had a couple of nice reps. He forced a couple of holding calls today on uh, uh, Kaleche Osimile and uh, Andrew Wiley. Both of them were flagged for holding today on some key reps that really probably made the game closer than it should have been based on a couple of those reps. Those were big momentum killers. They didn't play all that good physically. I think Austin Ryder actually up front, I think he played another pretty solid game but they weren't really able to establish the run like they did last week. You know, Clyde still had 70 yards. He still had a pretty solid game for being a rookie back. Nothing like what we saw last week. He still had a pretty solid game early on, but as the game progressed, they really stopped being able to run the ball. But like you say, at the end of the game, the offensive line, they had a really rough one. It's one that they're probably going to get coached up on hard this week. I'd be willing to bet especially when you're letting the 500 the 500 million dollar man get put on his back probably over 10 times today that's one thing they're going to have to work on but i think even though the offensive line played poorly for a lot of the game they really did get it together for those last few drives but also patrick mahomes said 
enough of this sitting around in the pocket and just waiting for stuff to happen. I'm going to go out and get it on my own. And like I said earlier, that third and 20 run, that was just football IQ and confidence by Pat. He bailed them out like he should. You know, sometimes Pat's going to have to bail us out. He bailed the offensive line out today in a game where they did not play their best. Yep, and like I said, it's a lot. You got to tip your hat again to the to the Chargers. They're good. They're a good defensive team. They're a good front. And we, I said this going into there, the Chargers could end up having one of the best defenses in the NFL. Now Der- Derwin James is out, so that obviously hurts. But they, from front to back, they are very well loaded. I mean, they have Casey Hayward Jr. at corner, who's one of the best corners in the NFL. They have Chris Harris Jr., who's in the slot, as one of the best slot corners in the NFL. And then they have Bosa and Ingram and Tillery rushing the passer. I mean, they're... They're good. And Linvel Joseph up front at D-tackle, he's a run-stopping D-tackle that they use him, and he's actually a decent pass rusher for being such a big dude. So they're, they're a good team, um, you know, and like you said, sometimes things aren't going to go perfect, but that's why we have Mahomes, and he bails you out. And third and 20 scrambles, you know, if you listen to the broadcast, Romo was out there on the one-third down, and he said, yeah, he's like, there was absolutely nobody open on here, and this it was just all Mahomes. And you just had to take off and run, and you have to go make a play, and you get the first, and that's what you do. Sometimes that's that's what it comes down to. But um, one other injury, too, and I forgot to mention this when I was talking about Sammy, was uh, Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams um, left the game with an ankle injury and did not return. And you actually saw a lot of Darwin Thompson, who I actually thought did okay in his spots. He ran the ball tough, had a big uh, fourth down conversion for a first down, which was nice to see. Um, and then the other thing that – we'll kind of talk about next is Clyde didn't have his greatest game rushing wise, um, but he did have some nice catches and you're starting to kind of see what we were been waiting to see. And what we talked about the whole time when they drafted him was his utilization in the past game. When they were driving there towards the end of the game to score, to win um, Pat rolled out to the right and threw through it to Clyde up the seam there. They ran a little fake, jet sweep action to Kelsey and then they ran it up the ran Clyde up the seam and you know it was a great adjustment it was purposely thrown behind him by Pat because the safety was on the inside so he had to throw it to the outside hash but you could see that that pass catching ability Clyde spun around in the air caught it on his back shoulder and you know unfortunately it was called back by a uh, hold from Andrew Wiley um and the holding will we could that is I don't even know what to say because they were they were gross like they weren't holds like they, they barely have a hold of them. Pat's running by and the refs just happen to see the guy like you. That happens every single play. You cannot call holds on those situations. But anyways, I thought we were starting to see Clyde get a little bit showcased in that passing game. And I thought that was really good to see. No, absolutely. And I didn't really get mad at any point during the game today because I mean, I'm sitting here on my couch and I'm like, yep. Pat will probably do some Patrick Mahomes stuff at the end. It won't matter. I didn't get mad until I started to see some of these holding calls. I don't quite understand how the defensive lineman from the Chargers can just stop playing in the middle of a rep when they're getting clearly blocked by their offensive lineman and just throw their hands up. The most, the one that was most stood out to me was uh, when Tillery did it when he was going against Osimile when Pat was about to scramble. And they call it on him, and Pat's not even past him yet, and the dude stops playing and throws his hands up in the air, and the refs throw the flag immediately. I don't understand that at all. If the guy stops playing in the middle of a rep, 
then that's on him because he's going to get blocked by an offensive lineman. So I guess that's what defensive linemen can do now whenever things aren't going their way is they can just throw their hands in the air and it's going to be 15. But my God, the Chiefs overcame some just wild penalties today. They overcame a really poor effort trying to stop the run and tackling. And well, the one thing I noticed the Chiefs did really poorly today, they had struggled at tackling. There was a lot of missed tackles. You know, there was a lot of missed tackles on both sides. I feel like it's probably due to the fact that they are still kind of getting adjusted to what they're seeing and haven't had as many live reps as they would in a normal season. But that's one thing they're going to have really have to improve upon. But those penalties were killers. And somehow Patrick Mahomes and that offense and Kelsey and Hill were absolutely good enough to overcome all of that. Yes, they were. And I think that you kind of saw in the second half a little bit of a game change, um, a game plan change by the Kansas City Chiefs where they really, Mahomes really started to target the outside passes, outside the numbers to the receivers, where he wasn't really doing it that much um, in the first half. He really realized that that's kind of where the soft spot was, and he took it. He just, he's, that's what makes him so great. He just kind of takes what the defense gives you, and he just picks you apart. It, it, again, it's either a slow death or a quick death. And the last two weeks, the, the Chargers and the Texans, they've, they've chose the slow one, and, you know, the Chiefs have gotten it done. Um, offensively as well, I think that I think Hill was a little bit banged up, but he was definitely a guy that Mahomes was was looking for down in the stretch. You could tell um, they were trying to get him open on those crossing routes and that man coverage that the that the Chargers were trying to play. Um, you saw the one where he kind of came up lame and stuff, but I would expect those crossing routes and those man beaters again coming up next week against the Baltimore Ravens who have some outstanding defensive backs of their own. They have a great front. So this is a really good test. This is a really good warm-up for the Kansas City Chiefs with the Baltimore Ravens coming coming up next. No, I agree 100%. And just going back to this week really quickly, the Chargers looked confident and they looked cocky up until the point when Patrick Mahomes rolled out to the right and threw a bomb to Tyree Kill for a touchdown and then came back and rolled out and threw a ridiculously precise pass to McCole Hardman for the two-point conversion. That was the point when I could see the change in the body language on the field from the Chargers between the Chiefs because that's when the Chiefs kind of started to get in that mode like, oh yeah, we're the defending Super Bowl champions and we have a quarterback that can do this stuff. And that's when you kind of saw it from the Chargers. They're like, oh boy, here we go again. It's He's coming back after us. Because, you know, there's really not been a team in the Mahomes era that's played them like the Chargers, has, the Chargers have. You know, the 49ers did it for about 55 minutes in the Super Bowl, and they couldn't keep it up. And the Chargers have been the only team that has consistently played the Chiefs tough and consistently been able to find their weaknesses. And, you know, like we're saying, Anthony Lynn's a good coach. We think, I think he's got that team headed in the right direction. But, you know, when the bad man comes out and he starts slinging it around, you know that Gus Bradley and Anthony Lynn probably looked at each other and said, here we go again. And I really thought it was funny to see just how fired up the players from the Chargers were early on. Guys like uh, Keenan Allen and uh, Herbert and Mike Williams, you could see how fired up those guys were. 
and then you show them on the bench at the end of the game when the Chiefs were driving, and they absolutely knew what was about to happen. They knew, because they've seen it before, they knew that it was going to be time for something clutch to happen, and it absolutely did. But, yeah, like you were saying, this is going to be a tremendous test. You know, Patrick Mahomes has had the Baltimore Ravens number the past couple of seasons. He basically won the MVP against them in 2018. And last year, they talked all that big game about stopping the deep ball, and he proceeded to come out and absolutely shred what was considered a top three defense in the NFL last year. So they're going to be fired up. The thing to watch this week, though, against that game is I really want to see how the Chiefs' defense is going to play Lamar Jackson. Are they going to just sell out and stop the run, much like we saw Tennessee do last year, or are they going to respect his arm a little bit, which – you know, the way Lamar looks like he's been throwing the ball around this year early on, it looks like he's kind of earned a little bit more respect in his passing ability. Yep, I would agree with that. That's something that I was going to talk about was I. it seems to, that obviously they're going to still do their thing with the run game. You can't not with the athlete that Lamar is. He's obviously won the MVP for a reason, rushing over 1,000 yards at the quarterback position, and they've tailor-made that offense. And I think the scary matchup really is for the Chiefs. You know, they don't have great receivers, but they have really good tight ends and they have good backs. And the Chiefs defense right now, those guys that are supposed to be covering them, the linebackers, are not playing very well. Now, they weren't great last year either by any means, but they seem to be just, they're just slow. They're just not athletic. Um, They don't play with very good patience. They miss assignments on gaps and stuff in the run game. Um, so that's kind of where I think that they have a very distinct advantage on, on us as far as the offense versus the defense is concerned. You know, we saw Willie Gay come in for like two snaps when Damian Wilson um, was hurt, uh, but Wilson ended up going back in the game. So we didn't see Willie Gay. Willie Gay had a tipped punt. So that was good to see him flash a little athleticism out on the field and make a little bit of a play. Um, but that that Ravens offense is so good at finding the tight end and Mark Andrews and stuff. So you you wonder how much Daniel Sorison, who had a little bit of a tackling issue, you know he he was matched up on Hunter Henry, missed a couple missed a couple tackles there, um, and Mark Andrews is. is all as good as as Hunter Henry is, so that's kind of the matchup that I'm first all first of all going to kind of look at is those linebackers against those tight ends and backs. You know, uh, you're absolutely right. They have a. I just looked up the stats. Uh, Baltimore rushed for 230 yards today on what I'm starting to think is a very soft Houston Texans defense. They rushed for 230. They're averaging about 6.2 yards a carry. They were. I mean, it was Jackson, Ingram, all day, Dobbins. They had all those guys contributing. And then you look at Lamar. He went uh, 18 for 24 for about 205, you know, just hitting those check downs to the tight ends, running his RPOs, the real quick game. They didn't really have to do anything too special to beat Houston today. But it's definitely going to come down to the Chiefs being able to stop that ground attack, which is good because Mike Pinnell – is going to be back next week. That should definitely be able to plug up some gaps the Chiefs might have had in their ability to stop the run. I think this week, though, I believe that this is the week that the Chiefs are going to be glad they have a dynamic playmaker like Teron Matthew, who may have played, in some eyes, a quiet game today, but also at the same time quietly had three big pass breakups that saved the game 
if we go back and look at how the things could have turned out. I think that having a guy like Teron Matthew, who's athletic enough and smart enough of a football player to be able to line him up and be able to say, okay, you're going to cover Lamar Jackson when he wants to keep it, when he wants to scramble. We're going to spy you on him. We're going to have you down in the box playing dirty, playing physical, getting after it. I really think that that's, this is the guy the Chiefs are going to be relying on the most this week coming up. Because like we said, our linebacker situation, it is what it is. Guess what? We had bad linebackers last year too. These guys, it's the same guys. It's not like we've changed anything. You know, Maybe we see a little bit more of Willie Gay who had a little almost block that kick, which he got back there ridiculously quick, displaying that athleticism at the same time. But this week, I really think, though, the safety play of the Chiefs is going to have to come up huge this week. We're going to have to see Sorensen, Thornhill, and Matthew play their best game to be able to help that linebacking unit out. But at the same time, I think, you know, Matt Lane, those guys from Arrowhead Pride, they love that when a defensive tackle can – just stop a double team. All right, we got Mike Pinnell back this week. He can stop a double team. I mean, the dude's 6'5", 340 pounds. He's going to be able to sit in there, hold guys off, and be able to help guys out. I think that that's going to play a big factor in the game. I also think that it's going to allow for Chris Jones to be able to play a good game. Not really sure what's up with Frank Clark. It kind of seems like his stomach, he's having those same stomach issues he did last year. That's kind of what it's seeming like right now. Hopefully we get an update on him soon because we really, I'd really like to have him out there next week, especially since uh, Okafor is out. You know, Dana played good, but you always like to have guys a little more experience, especially coming into a game that's going to be on Monday Night Football versus a team that's also going to be undefeated with the MVP, the reigning MVP of the regular season, Lamar Jackson. It's going to be a good matchup. What, like we've seen the last few years. Uh, when the Ravens want to go and do their little whatever they do on defense, when they want to play man, if they want to play zone, the Chiefs have an answer. They've had an answer when the Ravens have blitzed them. Those guys are going to come out fired up. I do think, though, that the Chiefs' defense is perfectly built to beat Baltimore. Baltimore likes to blitz a lot. Well, guess what? The Chiefs have a million ways to beat people blitzing, and one of them is because Patrick Mahomes is a stud and will just step up into pressure and run where there is nobody. One of the things, too, that I, th- I think maybe would be interesting defensively is if Willie Gay and Dorian O'Daniel might be used in spy situations. Not every down, but maybe some downs. Um, they're just more athletic than your Hitchens and Wilsons and Neemans. Right, you've already seen Dorian Daniel out there in passing situations where he's a spy on quarterbacks. He was out there again a little bit today, even um, in spy situations. So it would be interesting to see if if Gay or or Daniel get out on the field a little bit more to try to match some of that athleticism. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to be able to run with Lamar Jackson. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that they're they're more athletic than these other guys that would they'll be able to put a little bit more pressure on Lamar in the open field than those other linebackers would be able to. Um, that's for sure. And like you said, the safeties this game are definitely going to have a lot of pressure on them to be able to make plays. And I thought that um, Sorensen's tackling was a little bit of an issue. And I thought Thornhill's tackling was a little bit of an issue as well. Both of those guys are definitely going to need to sharpen up a little bit on the back end with their tackling. Um, it's something that... <laughs> 
They, they just, you know that the Ravens are going to be coming downhill at you. You know, you're going to be in spots where they're going to have to fill, they're going to have to fill alleys and make tackles on these guys. So they, they better be geared up and ready to go for it. And it's really something now with seven teams making the playoffs and only one team getting to buy, this game is going to be very critical towards the end of the year um, in, in that sense where if the Chiefs get a win over the Rams or the Ravens, excuse me, in this situation, they are going to have a huge leg up on them as far as home field advantage and a buy is concerned when it gets to playoff time. Like I know it's only the third week of the season, but this game is huge. This is a f- supremely important game. I don't think that we can overstate that enough. And I would expect really, even on the offensive side of the ball, to see a little bit more than the Chiefs have shown in these first two games because it really hasn't been um, too many wrinkles. It's it's really been your kind of basic Kansas City Chiefs offense. And I thought Romo did an outstanding job on the broadcast today kind of explaining what they'd like to do a lot in those three-by-one sets where they'll get Kelsey – on the backside of the three by one and they'll get him underneath running a curl or an out or something underneath to, to try to draw those safeties up. And then they'll put Hill as the number three receiver, the most inside receiver um, on the, in the three receiver side and they'll run him on and over. So you really have to pick your poison. Are you going to come up and come down on, on Kelsey and double him um, safety? Or are you going to stay back and are you going to cover that over with, with Hill coming right at you? So um I expect to see more of that, but I would expect to see some more wrinkles coming in offensively with the Kansas City Chiefs coming up this week. No, you're absolutely correct in saying that. It's going to be like you say, do they want to take away the deep stuff to Hill or do they want to stop Kelsey underneath? Because you can do it for a while, but you can't do it all day. And today we saw the perfect example of all of that between the just Kelsey killing them underneath and then Hill with the one big shot, that's pretty much just sums up how teams are going to try to stop them. But how lucky are we? We're getting ready to watch the two best teams in the National Football League square off on Monday night football next week. The two, probably two, the top, there's two of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL getting ready to go at it head to head. I think we're going to have a shootout on our hands next week, honestly. I think that the Ravens are going to, they have to be fired up because. They had that great regular season. They were pretty much the darlings of the league last year. And they went out and laid an egg. And now for all these months, they've just been listening to, yeah, the Chiefs were clearly the better team, which they were because they beat them head-to-head last regular season. But now we're really going to get to see get to see who is going to be better this season between Lamar and Patrick. And honestly, like you say, we've seen Lamar get shut down a couple of times before. Patrick Mahomes might have got shut down for three quarters today, and he came out and threw for like 300 yards in the second half. The dude has never played a bad football game since he's been in the NFL, and I don't think the trend is going to continue anytime soon. I think a competitor like he is next week against Baltimore, he's going to come out fired up. I think the Chiefs are going to come out. They The Chiefs have seemed a little conservative to start off, And I can't really blame them for that because they're still working out the things we normally see from preseason games. They were being accelerated into it. I think next week we get to see the bombshell on full display. I think the Chiefs try to take some shots on them. Yep, I'll agree. I think that that you definitely could see some shots 
um, coming this week. But, you know, the best thing about Pat, like we said, he's just he's so smart. He just takes what the defense gives him. So if they're going to play back and they're going to let him to throw it underneath, that's what he's going to do until he, you know, absolutely has to push it down the field and make plays like he did today. So um, before we get out of here, I'll kind of give my last kind of closing points, and then, Caleb, I'll let you go. Um, and I guess the big takeaway for me today after this second week is, is this team, this team is not without deficiencies, right? And we kind of knew that going in. There's nothing that hasn't shown up on film the last, these last two weeks that we didn't already think. We knew that their secondary was going to be a question mark, right? With Bashad Breeland missing the first four games. Now, Legarius Sneed has come out and played well, but then Ward is banged up, so they don't have a ton of depth. We knew that at the cornerback position. I don't think Fenton's the answer as the second cornerback. I think he's a little slow-hipped, and I think he gets a little bit grabby in man, but that's for a different time. But And then the other thing is that we knew is that the linebackers were slow. That's why they drafted Willie Gay. They, they wanted to get more athletic. I don't think that this team is at all what the team you're going to see come playoff time and t- towards the end of the season. It's just not. This team isn't done building. This team isn't done growing. There are going to be people that are playing now that aren't going to be playing towards the end of the year. And that's just how it's going to be. It's the same thing that we kind of saw last year, right? Like you mentioned, we get Mike Pinnell back. We get Bashad Breeland back in two weeks. Um, things are going to change. Like what's going to happen in the secondary when Breeland and when Ward and when <laughs> Snead are all back? Well, maybe one of them can bump inside. And now you've got some pretty formidable corners and that with that, with the safeties that we already know that are really good. Um, you know, we haven't seen a offense that has really given everything that they're able to show yet. Right. Um, they came out and ran the ball 30 times against the Houston Texans. They came out today and they really kind of dink and dunked and they struggled with a little bit of pressure. And then when it came to turn it on, they turned it on. So I know everybody was freaking out, including myself for a little bit there. Um, but we're two weeks in, we're two and oh, this team isn't a finished product yet. We'll see that down the road. And I think the finished product is something that has the potential to be as good or if not better than the team we saw win the Super Bowl last year. Justin, I agree with you 100% on everything you're saying. Guys, the Chiefs last year, we could actually see their improvement as the season progressed and as things went, went on. Do not be surprised if we see the same thing this year. Um, You know, today, a win's a win. I'm absolutely stoked for the game next week. I think it's going to be an absolute contest. Um, You know, and we're getting ready to close it out. So I'm going to try to have some film reviews up if the NFL releases their all 22 on time. I'd like to be able to write about three articles this week and do a little preview of the Ravens. Um, So hopefully we can get that in. But you can follow me on at CJ Scoobs. Justin, why don't you let everybody know what you've been working on, man? Yeah, I'll do the same thing. I'm going to try to get a film review up of this previous game, take a look at the Ravens, and maybe get a little preview out, preview out there on Twitter uh, at jdiz1617. You can always find me there. I'll have the Power Rankings Digest out on Wednesday like I always do, updating. I'm probably just going to go with Power Rankings week by week um, for for the NFL teams from here on out. And then I'll probably hit – another article up with something throughout the week, but definitely be a lookout for that, but make sure you're going over to Arrowhead live. You're checking out all the stuff, all the podcasts, all the articles that we have going out there. Make sure you hit up the shop 
um, site and you're buying shirts and buying the apparel and stuff. Um, it's what keeps the lights on over here for us. But, and then kind of the last thing I want to want to say is, is if I don't know if people have seen the news, but James White is not playing tonight for the Patriots. And that's my, my puppy again, she's not getting enough attention, attention, but um, James White is not what playing kind of dog you have? is because I have an American English bulldog mix and she's about 16 <laughs> months old and she's, she gets, she gets very attention seeking at times, <laughs> but um, yeah. So James White playing tonight and it is because his mom and dad got in a car accident and his dad passed away and his mom is in critical condition. So, you know, it's just something as a football community, um, if you're into the the prayer thing, say a prayer for his family, um, hug your family. It's a humanity thing, right? Times are tough right now to begin with. So news like that is always hard to hear. So make sure you're taking care of your loved ones and your friends and um, just be kind to people every single day. So that's kind of where I'll end it on. Uh, Chiefs Kingdom, we're 2-0. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Yep. To the Chiefs Kingdom. You guys are world champions once again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!